podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your co-host, Menas. Joining me as ever is Jaleesa Apps. Jaleesa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, great to have you on the show again. Uh, you know, we're lucky that Paul's turned up today because we were supposed to do the show a bit earlier, but he got a media request to go on Sport FM in Perth. So he, he pushed us back for the radio. Paul, uh, could you squeeze us in your, your media schedule today? Well, um, Tom Cruise wanted to talk to me as well, but um, uh, <laughs> I, I got a good plug on the Perth radio. Yuri's really nice. And I, I said that this was going to be well worth listening to this podcast so let's not disappoint any new fans from from western australia that's awesome go paul he's a star so in this episode of cricket unfiltered we're going to discuss australia's tour of the uk we're going to wrap up all the cricket headlines including another crisis for cricket it's just it's been a constant theme this year cricket in crisis and then we're going to bring it home with can't let it go and my can't let it go is my most hated 11 of all time actually my most hated 12 of all time so looking forward to that one to end the show let's get straight into the aussie tour of the uk the the aussies take on the palms at 3 a.m this saturday morning 11 p.m 11 15 p.m this sunday night and 3 a.m next wednesday in three t20 internationals then they play three 50 over games so I guess aside from the ODI championship points that I know Paul's particularly excited about, what do you two think the Australian team can get out of this six-match tour? Well, England are obviously the world champions in one-day cricket, and they're a very good T20 side as well. So it's, it's always hard because the, now that the World Cups have been pushed back a little bit, I'm tempted to say when they eventually come around, a lot of this will be forgotten. But there are some spots still up for grabs in the Australian side. I'm really interested in the form that Marcus Stoinis has shown. I've never been the hugest fan of his, but I'm starting to come around to maybe thinking that he's worthy of a spot in our white ball sides. Uh, so, yeah, you know, there's always players jostling for position. But for me, it's mainly just going to be um, I'm just uh, excited to see the Aussies back in action again. I think it's more about not so much what the team can get out of it, but what individuals can get out of it. So someone like Josh Hazelwood, who can show that perhaps he is worthy of a World Cup spot. Again, like Paul said, it's a little bit hard with the World Cup being all up in the air and having been moved, but it does give those players a little bit more time to show what they can do. Agreed. Glenn Maxwell scored a century in the second warm-up game, and he spoke to the media on scene and have a listen. All you can hope for, I suppose, with the middle order batters is a bit of a fight there for spots and for, for guys to put their hand up and, and make some big scores and um, give the selectors something to think about is is brilliant. And can't just have Warner and Finch and Smith making runs all the time. We've got to, got to have some other guys contributing as well. So for us to make some runs in the middle order is, um, is really rewarding. 
That was Maxi there. And I guess that's the area that the Aussies need to work on. In the 50-over World Cup last year, they fell short with their all-rounders. Australia could have three white ball World Cups in the next three years with 220-over World Cups and the 50-over World Cup in 2023. So they really do need to find some all-rounders that can contribute in the big matches. I'm excited that Maxi, 108 off 114, that must be one of the slowest centuries he's ever scored in any type of white ball cricket. Yeah. I mean, he has the highest strike rate in Australian history by a million miles. I've always wished that he'd become more selfish uh, and not play such extravagant shots so early. So if this is the start of a new um, mindset from him, I'm really excited by that. I can't tell you how excited I am that if he starts to be a little bit less extravagant, he won't be quite as good to watch, but he might score a lot more centuries. Interesting one, Marcus Stoiner said before the, the tour that he was working on rotating the strike more and being more adaptable. One of the criticisms of Stoinis has been when he comes to the crease, he's not able to rotate the strike and he takes a while to get going. So if he doesn't get going, he's just chewed up a few balls and then got out. He's working on rotating the strike. So I think that's important. And yeah, I think Maxwell and, and Stoinis are... This tour for both of them is crucial, probably more so for Stoinis because if he has a bad tour, they could, you know, look for some other all-rounders to fill the spot. You could have Daniel Sams or Chris Green or one of these players coming through. I love the fact that he's doing that. He's he's absolutely right. There have been too many crisply struck drives to sort of mid-off and mid-on early on in his innings. Steve Waugh kind of went down that path as well. I think Simon Kadic did, that once they started really focusing on getting singles, their batting improved significantly as a result so good on him and as I said I'm, I'm willing to I'm willing to become a fan what do you both think about back sweat being the new method of <laughs> ball shining it's kind of gross isn't it to think of like a bowler just rubbing the ball down his back <laughs> and shining it up where, where, what have we come to it's no more gross than spit that's true but it's just I all, actually back, I back and ass sweat are kind of the same <laughs> I wonder how much uh has been put in research has been put into whether like is it a bit of a show not having not using spit is it more of a show than it actually is because if the players are all tested negative like is it I don't know if it's maybe a little it's bit where more the, the body's exposed to other sweats and fluids so obviously your arms are out all the time you know someone could spit on that and have COVID <laughs> And you, you yeah, know, but I mean, if they're all tested that, negative to COVID, yeah. then yeah. you can't transfer something you don't have. True, yeah, for sure. So I wonder how that, long this will last. But I, I think your point is a good one because I think to a point it is maybe a show that if they were licking the ball and spitting on the ball and high-fiving each other and hugging each other, theoretically that's fine if they've been in the bubble for that length of time. Yeah. But when you've got nationally a million people tuning in to watch them, that's possibly the governments don't want that look because that's not what we want people in normal society doing who haven't been in a two-week bubble. Yeah, I do wonder how like far how long it will last. Um, like, is that just going to last till there is a vaccine? And if there isn't one, are we never going to have spit in the game again? Because I do find it hard to believe that if everyone's tested negative, it doesn't seem like there's a problem but you're probably right Paul you probably it's probably more of a for a public perception which I think is important maybe each time that they could allow it and each time it happens they have a pre-recorded disclaimer from David Warner or something saying you know don't try this at home it's going to be really interesting um what they do in uh grade cricket um and you know like the grassroots cricket um back in Australia are you going to be you're obviously not going to be able to use you're just going to have to monitor everyone and make sure no one 
are they going to use swear? Like, I, I, I don't know. And it's going to be hard to police because it's not like professionals being retrained and conditioned. You can have these blokes turning up who, who for their whole life they've spat on the ball and shined it and all of a sudden they can't do it. I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, and that's all people who haven't been COVID tested and what do they do then just call off a whole competition? I'd, like, I'd really like to know if anyone knows out there, like what, because I'm sure there's people listening that have a lot to do with grassroots cricket. I'd really like to know what their discussions are around that. I don't even know what, what's going to happen with grey cricket next summer, whether they're going to be able to play it. Well, I know Lane Cove has got a meeting coming up. So my I've got sources that tell me that. So I know Lane Cove uh, in Sydney, they're certainly, as far as I know, planning to go ahead with a, having a meeting coming up. So I wonder if, and Boroa, I can tell you Boroa is definitely having You are a connected, aren't you, Jaleesa? Oh, and you're connected, connected to Lane Cove Cricket, Boroa Cricket. We just keep head. dropping the name, Sport FM, Boroa Cricket. It's a huge show. Huge. It's, we were in the paper yesterday. It's very, it's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> what was Boroa in the paper for? So the pub was in the paper. My favourite pub was in the paper. Okay, nice. The top pub in Boroa. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so Australia have played two warm-up games. The, the rest, of the there's a couple more warm-up games and then they kick off this, uh, well, Saturday morning, 3 a.m. So I'll be recording that one and watching it Saturday morning. Can't wait. I'll be watching it live and then I'm going to do a TikTok afterwards as well. Fantastic. I will sadly probably be also watching it live. <laughs> and then going to work. Have you joined TikTok yet? I have TikTok, but I have never posted a video and I can't see myself ever posting a video. I'm just one of those scroll and stalk people. Well, join. If I do do one live, come on, because you might be the only person watching. We need, we'll need <laughs> someone to make a few comments. And ask me some questions. <laughs> now, All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the next bit of the, the news with reticence, but there was an interesting article by Ben Horn saying that the WA government is nervous about the Australian team quarantining in Perth after an AFL wag snuck into a Swans player, which was you know, well-publicised in Australia. But So it's, it's been not confirmed whether Australia, the Australian team can quarantine in Perth and you know, train at the same time. Um, and at CA are working on a contingency of you know, the, the Aussies may be going to Adelaide and quarantining there. So... Um, the AFL wag has has scared the WA government. I don't know why, because it's not like there's that many of the partners in Perth. There's only the Perth players' partners. It's not like... It takes one really horny one to mess it all up for everyone. It's not like, oh, my God. I'm going <laughs> to let Paul take it. <laughs> what did you say? I'm going to let Paul take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually empathise with the Premier. I think that if I was in a position of... Uh, premier of any state, I'd be terrified of one spark setting off a repeat of what's happened in Victoria and then have all these deaths and horrible things happening. So I can understand why they would be, they'd be thinking all it takes is just one slip up and potentially things could go wrong. So they would want some ironclad guarantees from from Cricket Australia that that everyone's going to take it very, very seriously. I think that was a very player in the Swans, wasn't it? Like uh, all the cricketers have been around for a while. They're pretty you know, mature and I, like, it's not going to be like any of the New South Wales partners are going to be able to get into WA. So I, it would only be such a small amount of people that they have to worry about. I agree. I think it's, they're worrying a bit too much. Like the Australian cricket team, very professional unit. I mean, you, you know, you can't compare it to an AFL club, so there's no problems there. All right. So that's the, the two. One of the, the big talking points has been the coffee. 
So Adam Zampa discussed that they've all brought their coffee over. So have a listen. He's, he's pretty sensitive about his barista skills. Yeah, everyone's on the coffee bandwagon. I think it's fair enough with the, um, with the bubble at the moment. So a few boys have their own setups, which I've helped out with a little bit. But yeah, so much coffee on tour this, this tour. Are you feeling a bit um, sort of um, threatened by, you know, Stoinis and all these guys who've got their own little recipe? <laughs> AJ Ty here, who's supposedly the coffee king. Is it like you feeling your, your patch is being trod on? AJ Ty, the coffee king. Not happy. Don't know about that. I'm happy for everyone to have a crack, but I know from experience and what I tasted in my own cup this morning that I reckon I've got it over everyone. You want to make one for him or let him make one for you, or is it doesn't work? Nah, nah, not. It's invite only to the Love Cafe. Uh, who's, who's on the list? Just Stoinis, Richardson, Carey at the moment. Yeah. Close shop. Close, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's invite only. <laughs> and they love the Love Cafe in the Aussie team and they love their coffee, so I'm on board with that. This is really coincidental, but I actually tweeted this morning about I don't drink coffee and I feel like such a wanker every time someone asks me, do you want a coffee? And I'm like, I don't drink coffee because I feel like they look at me like, what's wrong with you? That's how they I don't- think they don't trust me yep. and people like think I'm taking some sort of moral or um, health mm, yep. high ground. Yep. I'm like, no, no, I literally just, my palate is not past a hot chocolate. It stopped there. And it was like, this is good. I'm happy with this. So I can't comment on coffee. I, I can't imagine the coffee beans in Bura were great growing up. So you probably got an excuse there. Why would you say that? Everything else is great there. <laughs> I reckon um, get uh, Zampa and some of these guys in a blind taste with Makona Blend 43. Oh, here we it. go. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just see how sophisticated <laughs> their palates really are. You two menners, fine taste test. On one side, we'll have the cheapest instant coffee. On the other hand, we'll have a single origin coffee brewed on the back of them. Um, maybe that's, this, is, this is maybe the worst take you've ever had on the podcast. More so than batting orders don't matter. The challenge is there, menners. The challenge is there. All right. A, a blind Menace taste is test. Running you can tell. That's what's, that I'm keen for this scared. challenge. I'm keen. It'd make for a great podcast, wouldn't it? By a blind test with no audio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the uh, tour of the UK. We'll be back with the cricket headlines. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Menas. I'm with Jaleesa and Paul. And let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. And wow, it has really kicked off since we recorded last week with Pete Lawler. But the, mm. the dispute between Channel 7 and Cricket Australia has ratcheted up. And it, it is believed the Channel 7 legal eagles have focused their attention on a clause which refers to an onus being on Cricket Australia to produce a season of competition that is equal to others around the world and which cannot recede in quality from one summer to the next. And Channel 7 is saying, well, the big bash this summer could be minus 30 or 40 of Australia's best players and therefore will not be good enough. What have you two thought since last week about this issue? Well, firstly, just as an aside, if that's what a legal eagle does, I think that's what a first-year law student could do. It doesn't sound like it's a terribly sophisticated um, pickup. It sounds like one of the most obvious parts of the contract. But, yeah, we'll leave that aside. I'm really, really melancholy about this because if this goes wrong, uh, and I'm still optimistic that it won't, where does that leave cricket in this country? You can't, you know, you can't offend one of the three main broadcasters when you've when a, you haven't got great relationships with the other two already. ABC and SBS wouldn't be able to afford it and they wouldn't want it there anyway. So 
I think that the um, all the power here is with Channel Seven, and as a cricket fan, I want cricket to be on uh, with a loving relationship with one of the two big free-to-air broadcasters. And any time that that is under jeopardy, uh, I get nervous. Yeah, I'm the same with Paul. I really am very concerned about the bargaining power that Cricket Australia has at this point because, as Paul said, they don't have a great relationship with the other two broadcasters. Can't imagine Nine would want cricket again. It's got tennis now i don't i don't know channel 10 would they have the money they seem to have let people go and then you've sort of left just with channel 7 so i don't know if you want to really i think this is it's sad that this got to the point where this is all being aired publicly like negotiations must have really broken down Mm. What's interesting is that this is getting a lot of air in the News Limited press and obviously News Limited uh, basically own Foxtel who would be thinking, well, if they give a discount to Channel 7, they're going to have to pass on a discount to us as well because you can't give a discount to one broadcast without the other. So a lot of this uh, stuff's been aired in the News Limited press, which seems like a pretty clear negotiating tactic. Uh, Now, this is what Channel 7, James Warburton, said about Cricket Australia, it's the most incompetent administration I've ever worked with, with no appointed full-time chief executive officer at a time when the sport needs strong leadership to steer through these extraordinary times. Kevin Roberts was let go early on in the pandemic. Now he's been replaced temporarily by Nick Hockley, who was in charge of the T20 World Cup, who's been on this podcast. I just don't know if he's the right man for the job right now. Uh, do you two have a view on this? I don't have a view on Hockley in particular, but I do think that um, something that Peter Lawler said on the podcast last week was the same as what um, Mark Taylor said to me two months ago, I think it was that I interviewed him, that cricket has had too much time. That's been what's killed it is that with NRL and AFL, they had to sort everything out so quickly, every party involved. And cricket has had this luxury that you would think is a luxury of waiting and seeing how the pandemic goes. But in, as a matter of fact, it just means that you end up taking longer with your decisions and nothing actually gets sorted. Yeah, I don't have an opinion on, on Hockley because I don't know anything about him other than this critique from Warburton. So that's not a, not a great start. But I, I think that the worry for cricket is that Channel 7, I think, regret doing the deal. And if they had their time again, wouldn't have signed up to broadcast cricket So I think they feel like they've got a bit of a free hit here. They think that if it ended up being that they pulled out completely, they're calm with that. And so, you know, you look at what they've had. They've had um, two fairly underwhelming international seasons, the India series, Australia lost, they're missing their best players, there was rain delays, then there was a couple of tests against Sri Lanka, then the next summer, Pakistan and New Zealand weren't in any way, shape or form competitive, all the while, while the Big Bash has been losing its luster. And they probably just think we were expecting glory. We didn't get it. We're bleeding financially. We're just as happy to to get out of the whole thing if we can. So it's a really serious situation for Cricket Australia. And whoever's in charge is going to require an, uh, a very expert hand. They say never waste a crisis. Clearly exactly. seven are not going to. Cricket is so expensive to run is a broadcaster. Like I think it was in 2019 reported that nine, um, their last year that they had had it was, it was 120,000, 220 million to run 
from a broadcasting perspective, including the having the rights, and you are only bringing in seventy five million of revenue. So it's it's shockingly expensive to run for a multitude of reasons because you've got crews all over the place and you've got commentators and a lot of commentators and very expensive commentators and it's um it's an incredibly expensive sport sport to run and maybe that maybe they're realizing that i don't know and with the duplication you're not getting the um you're not getting the the cachet that you once did i mean when we were growing up the cricket was not on channel nine so our tv when you turned it on it was on channel nine and therefore it stayed on channel nine as the default all year long yes. and it was there were many many households where that was the case channel seven haven't got that i think partially because of the dilution with foxtel getting it and just the the landscape has changed and so then you know when you've got to spend all this money as well on the technology like there's constant brinkmanship about what's the newest technology that can be brought in it's yeah it's it's a lot it's far removed from the simple days when um when, when nine had it in its heyday and we're just making an absolute fistful of money every day that's bang on, Paul, because people don't realise, like people wonder, well, why would you buy something that loses so much money? And the whole point was it was in a non-ratings period too, so you're not even getting ratings from it, but you'd set up your whole year. People, you'd promo, you'd promo your other shows during the cricket and um, as they do in the tennis. And, yeah, so it's not just about making money, but then if you're not bringing in any revenue because it's not, you're not even bringing in like much revenue because there's not a lot of advertising around at the moment. It's just become such an expensive thing to run. I think the worst thing, and I think Paul and I have said it so many times on this podcast was for cricket was to have those limited overs go to Fox because I just think that's a way to kill them off. Look at what happened to super rugby. It went to Foxtel and or the pay TV and, and no one really cares about it now. Yeah, and I think that it also sets up a, a real conflict of interest where for Cricket Australia, the white ball internationals are massive because that's what the Indian broadcasters will pay the most for. Yet uh, for Channel 7, they are of zero relevance. So had Channel 7 been broadcasting the white ball internationals, that would have mollified them to some extent that they were going to be competing against the Big Bash because they'd be getting the benefit of, of, of those. Given that they're not mm-hmm. getting them, Cricket Australia is in this invidious position where they're trying to satisfy the BCCI and Channel 7, both of whom have just got wildly um, differing priorities. It's almost an impossible situation now that Corona has come in. I totally agree, Paul. Now, I just want to go back to the point I made about Nick Hockley just before we move on, that I think he's a very fine executive and I'm sure he's doing a good job. But I think this is played on right from with James Sutherland that cricket in this country needs a figurehead, someone to lead the game visually, you know, to to be a, a leader like a Peter Volandis or, or someone that... Oh, is- sorry, was that an NRL reference? <laughs> Yeah, my audio just dropped out. Can you say that again? I just used that as an example you'd understand, Jaleesa. <laughs> you know, we've gone from James Sutherland to Kevin Roberts, who both were not very public-facing, to Nick Hockley, who was even less public-facing. And, and a great guy, but maybe cricket is such a big game and it has an image problem. Getting a figurehead in there would be better, a stronger leader. So I've had a change of heart since our last podcast. You too? Oh, here we go. Disingenuous alert. Disingenuous alert. (laughs) I think they should cut the Big Bash next summer. I thought you were going to say you've you've fallen in love with rugby league. I thought you were going to say that the edge is shit. (laughs) 
I'm not going there again. I'm not touching that. <laughs> I think that everybody could save face if just for next summer they cut the big bash. And they everybody who's responded to cut poly- the number of games, not cut the tournament yeah, altogether. Yeah, cut the number of games. So it's 14 games per team next summer. If you were going to have a diluted competition over a long period of time with lots of Australian players not there, why couldn't you just for next summer, in light of the COVID situation, cut it to, say, 10 games a team or even eight games a team and just have a shorter, sharper competition and sort of reset for the next summer rather than sort of stringing out the competition that just might not have the talent to sustain that that leap? I hear where you're coming from, but surely Channel 7 could then say, wait a minute, we're protesting it, we're getting lack of value, and your answer to that is to rob us of... 30 or 40% of the content. Yeah, you'd have to give them a discount. But that's why, I mean, Cricket Australia could save face. They could say, we're going to give you a discount for this summer just because we have to cut the competition in size. And, you know, next summer things hopefully will be back to normal. Yeah, I, I, I can say the logic in that. But I just think that money is so paramount that whatever the discount, Channel 7 would say, no, you need to give us a discount now, even if you deliver a full schedule. Sure, if you want to deliver an even smaller schedule, yep, we want an even bigger discount. So I think financially doing that is going to make it even harder for Cricket Australia. But the problem is if the Big Bash goes ahead next summer and it regresses again, keeps regressing, then in in the summer after next, you're going to have an even bigger challenge in front of you. So get ahead of it now. I don't think cutting it is going to help that. I think you're just in a bad situation at the moment. I don't know that tightening it up. I'm not against tightening it up, but I don't think it solves the problems that you've got. Well, I just think if the quality is questionable next summer, having a longer competition with more games will just sort of, I don't know, lengthen the pain, I guess. I certainly think, man, is one thing I've kind of had a bit of a change at the part as well. I was always saying I, I supported it going to a 14-team full home and away season and you know, I'm willing to admit that I think that I got that wrong and that um, they would have been better off keeping it uh, at a at that short and sharp competition that they had. And if they'd kept it on Channel 10 all this time, then it probably would have been, you know, now in a much better state than it currently is. All right. There was an article by Chris Barrett and John Pirrick in the Sydney Morning Herald that says Cricket Australia is trying to lure some international players here with a, some funds outside the salary cap, some marquee players that, uh, we've seen in like the A-League here where Cricket Australia will pay for some talent. I mean, that would really help the competition. But it, you, you can bring in the talent. But if you're also at the other end losing all your Australian plays, you still could have a couple of big stars playing with, you know, a lot of sort of shield and grade players. I think that's okay, though. If they could pull this off, it could go a long way to fixing things. Because, yes, if you're going to lose some of the kind of uh, fringe Australian players, that is bad. But you know, give me the choice between three fringe Australian players or one genuine international superstar and two grade players, I'll take the second option any time because I think the, the star power lives out. So who are they going to get? I'm not sure. But if they could really get, you know, Stokes or, or God forbid, Dhoni or someone, and that would be amazing, mm-hmm. then, you know, if they could get Dhoni, then I think all is forgiven. But, you know, they'd have to make sure that he played for every team. He'd have to play for all eight teams. Um, but that would be pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, I hope the ACA lets them bring in a third international player next summer. They're dead against it, but... I hope they do too. Me too. Oh, unanimous. All right. That was the cricket crisis. 
who knows where cricket could be broadcast this season. We could have Jaleesa on the cricket coverage at Channel 9. Oh, that's something. There'd have to be some terrible things go wrong for that to happen. (laughs) All right. The next cricket headline, Chris Rogers, who played 25 tests for Australia, has been appointed as the new coach of the Victorian cricket team, beating out Brad Hodge and Michael Klinger. I think it was a pretty close run thing between Brad Hodge and Chris Rogers, but I'm sure uh, Chris Rogers' experience with the Aussie under-19 team would have helped him get over the line. One thing Rogers said he wants to do when he was announced as uh, the coach was he wants to help more of the Victorian players get into the Aussie side. And when you look at Marcus Harris, Nick Manson, Will Pekofsky, uh, Peter Hanscom, there's a, there's a real swathe of batting talent in Victoria that hasn't really kicked on. So Rogers is well qualified for that role. What do you two think about Bucky getting the job? I mean, it's always hard to know until a coach has proven top-level experience whether they can do it or not. But on the face of it, he's, he's from that sort of template of player that I like to be a coach, one who seemed to get the most out of his own ability, wasn't necessarily the the flashiest of players. So, you know, all things being equal, I think he could do a very good job. The next cricket headline, and look, if Channel 7 7 wasn't worried about next summer, can you imagine James Warburton's face when he saw this headline that cricket superstar Virat Kohli has announced he and his wife Anushka are expecting their first child in the same month as India's blockbuster test series against Australia. Kohli posted an image of he and his wife on Twitter with the message, and then we were three, arriving January 2021. So Virat Kohli's tour to Australia must be in doubt now. This is stressful news. This is very stressful news. It's stressful on two fronts. Number one, when Australia beat India 4-0, India are now going to have an excuse if (laughs) Kohli's not there. (laughs) And number two, yeah, it's a further death knell to the season being a success. Channel 7 and Cricket Australia and uh, should be lobbying the government to have all sort of the the quarantine procedures to be expedited and find a way to, um, you know, allow this to happen. Maybe devote an entire hospital in Sydney. um, Build a hospital just for her. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm on board with that. We've got to get the team here. We've got to get the, the Coleys. Mm, yeah, so he might. Kane Richardson also opted out of his very lucrative IPL contract for his bub on its way, 800000 I he's think. he's been replaced his... by his best mate, Adam Zampa. Yeah, I think uh, it was 800000 wasn't it, his contract? No, you wouldn't get that happening by a cricketer in the 80s. No way. The next headline. Chris Lynn has been dropped from his CPL franchise 11 after just 73 runs in six innings for his St. Kitts and Nevis Patriots. So, yeah, Lynn struggled in the Caribbean Premier League so far. Begs a question for me. Someone like Chris Lynn, whose career is dependent on performing in these leagues, how much damage does it do to his reputation around the world that when he got, you know, his 70 runs in, six innings, um, he doesn't play spin very well in these competitions. Surely it's going to really affect his sort of earning power over the next few years. I think it it will until he proves that he's still got it. If he comes out and gets another opportunity and cracks a a 70 off 30 balls along the lines of Pollard, then everyone will say, ah, he's still got it. And then his value goes back up. But while there's that question mark of, has he kind of, um, is he going over the hill and can he no longer deliver? 
then yes, then his value drops. So hard with these competitions. You have, you've got to be on from the get go. You have no breathing room to get sort of ease yourself into it. It's so difficult. I also heard for them in particular in the CPL that, you know, the, the restrictions are pretty strict that Lynn was on the radio saying, you know, you're pretty much restricted to your room from the room to the game and then back to your room. So for someone like Lynn, who's a real socialite, likes to get out and about, I'm sure it's hard for him being just stuck in his room every night. Yeah. Although I saw it, I think it was Chris Green I saw put a picture up of the view from their room. And uh, this was a few weeks ago. I don't know it was when he was in quarantine or if he's still in the same area. But, geez, they got some good views over there in the Caribbean. It wouldn't be a bad place to be playing cricket, that's for sure. Yeah, beautiful. All right, the last cricket headline is going to be taken away by our English correspondent, Paul Dennett. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what were we all doing back in May 1999? (laughs) Um, That was the last time that the England cricket team was ever shown live on the BBC TV. Uh, It was the a, a sorry match where England were eliminated from the World Cup and they haven't been on the BBC for all this time. They went to Channel 4, free to air for a little while. The last 15 years, it's been Sky only, except for the impromptu coverage by Channel 4 of the 50-over Cricket World Cup final last year. Well, the second of the T20s between England and Pakistan that's just taken place over there was shown live on the BBC on a Sunday afternoon. And it's a feel-good story because the audience peaked at 2.7 million and at the same time on Sky, the audience there peaked at 490,000. So you can see the enormous difference uh, that, that, that having it outside the paywall makes. And the game itself was, was, was pleasingly, you know, normally, normally the way that cricket shoots itself in the foot, I would have expected it to be a flat wicket and one side got 90 and the other side cruised to it and it was boring and whatever else. But it was actually um, a highly watchable game where England chased down 195. So Owen Morgan scoring 66 off just 33 was was the highlight. So at least the newcomers to cricket had something to watch. By all, by all accounts, it was trying to dumb it down completely. They had a, an explainer as to basically what cricket was <laughs> and how it worked. Probably people <laughs> haven't seen it. And I think some of the, um, the, the, the hardcore fans were annoyed at the at the banter and everything else. But I think that's what you get when you go free to air. You've just got to try to, to cater for those who aren't interested in the sport. So it's a sort of a, a further warning as to how much Channel 7 situation with Cricket Australia must be taken seriously because in the 15 years that they've been behind a paywall in England, the game has suffered dramatically. And as soon as they get a little bit of oxygen, you can see that there's still an appetite for cricket on free te- television in England. So a qualified good news story coming out of England. I don't hate the idea of dumbing it down. I know some people might find it annoying, but cricket's a very complicated game if you've never watched it before. It is probably the hardest thing to watch. So I don't hate the idea of dumbing it down and getting new people in. I agree. And I think sometimes when you, when you've, if you've spent a lifetime watching a sport as I have and, and we all have, you can forget because something, just because you know something so easily, you, you can forget how difficult it might be to the uninitiated. Oh, for sure. Especially when you go to explain it to someone, like when someone goes, oh, I don't understand cricket. Can you explain it? And you're like, yeah, sure. This is how it went. And then when you're explaining it, you're like, actually, this game makes no sense until you get it. (laughs) Well, that was the Cricket Headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. 
We're going to take our final break. Then we'll be back with Can't Let It Go. But if I can just ask you, if you've got a moment, go and rate and review the podcast on whatever app you're listening on. And you can follow us on social media at Pod. That's AUS Cricket Pod on Twitter and Instagram. All right, back in a moment. And welcome back. It is Can't Let It Go time. Let's start with Jaleesa. Well, uh, I hate to turn this into the warning segment, but it seems like I am every week. So whatever, embrace it. Why can't let go that the Bradman Museum in Barrel doesn't open on Sundays? Because I got a media release during the week to say warnings, baggy green is at the Barrel Bradman Museum. Because it had done, for those that don't remember, it had done a little bit of a tour after Warney auctioned it off very graciously for the bushfire appeal. I think it got a million dollars. The winning bid was CB. Shane Warne PR campaign. Um, anyway, we'll just let Paul edit that out. So, I'm not, uh, I'm not editing this one, unfortunately, Julissa. He'll um, Menas will amplify it. <laughs> but I, Great. I reject your cynicism, Menas. I don't always love Warney, but I think that he did this for the right reason. I think he did too. I can't believe you're against a million dollars for the bushfires. But anyway, <laughs> uh, at the time, it, the winning bid was CBA, which at the time I was so hollow about. I was like, oh, I really wanted to see some... I didn't want to see some corporation swoop in and and take it. But now I'm thrilled that they got it because it's at the Bradman Museum after doing a little bit of a tour of country clubs, I think, and the and schools and a few other places. It's now at the Bradman Museum. Unfortunately, I was I had to go to Canberra um overnight on Sunday and I thought on the way down there, I thought, oh, this is awesome. I'm gonna call into Barrel and see Warney's Baggy Green. And they don't open on Sundays. Oh, that sucks. So I have still not seen Warney's Baggy Green. But anyway, that'll be a Saturday trip coming up. We need to record an episode of this show at the Bradman Museum one day. That'd be so cool. It is such a cool museum. Like mm-hmm. it's obviously got the Cricket Hall of Fame and what all the kids say cool place it's so good but um yeah if you if you can get down there get down there well wherever you are in australia or overseas where you can't come in yet but put it on the list shout out to um my friend faraz who is connected somehow he's got some connections at high places at the barrel museum and they actually let him go there one time and actually get the golf ball and the stump out and and have a go against the um the brick base of the water tank that Bradman used to do. It's his, um, yeah, they do. They let you do that. I thought he did it from, I thought he had to call in favours to allow it to happen. <laughs> no, anyone can do that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what's your can't let it go apart from believing everything you hear on Twitter? My can't let it go is that I, I am sympathetic to, ja- to James Warburton's position and Channel 7's position, but I can't let go this quote when he was describing it. And he said, it's a joke and it rips off the fans. Imagine the AFL starting a season without Dusty, Danger, Nat Fife, Marcus Bontempelli or Toby Green. I joke about cricket being AFLified too much, but it's just a joke normally because I don't mind AFL. But this is ridiculous. This is, he is, cricket for him is clearly such a foreign concept that he feels like he has to couch it in terms of another sport. And I can tell him this much. You go to some of the pubs that I go to in suburban Sydney and say to some of these guys who live for rugby league, have you heard of Marcus Bontempelli? And they'll say, no, I've never heard of him. And they'll say, what the hell are you talking about? Cricket is a major sport. It's one of the three major sports in this country. It doesn't deserve to be um, mentioned that way. And as I said, I, I do have sympathy for Channel 7's position, but I don't like the way they said that. And it makes me yearn for the days where Kerry Packer, for all his faults, 
genuinely loved cricket and by the sounds of things knew more about um you know i wonder how much warburton knows about um the lbw law or the um 1912 triangular series between australia south africa and england well it's also cricket is one of those sports that uh like it goes across each state whereas rugby league is so queensland new south wales and afl is so melbourne western australia and south australia whereas cricket is actually through everything it's our national yeah. and people from melbourne think that aussie rules has become the national game oh. because the swans get decent crowds but there are still plenty of people north of the Barassi line who um, wouldn't know behind from a full forward. I didn't grow up with AFL. It was one of the things that I had to really learn as a sports journalist. I grew up with NRL and, and cricket and I like watching AFL now and know a fair bit about it through work, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you going back years and years things about it because I just didn't grow up with it. Couldn't tell you anything about it. I don't even know how many people are on an AFL team. So um, that was Paul's can't let it go. Okay, my can't let it go. I was listening to another cricket podcast, The Bowlology Report by Damien Fleming, and he does a fine job. Sounds often patchy, um, but for a fast bowler, Flemo's pretty good. <laughs> but he had Limo on, who's a comedian and on the radio here, and he read out his most hated eleven. And I, this was inspiring for me. I thought I'd love to do my most hated 11. So I went through the list and uh, here's my most hated 11 of all time. Right. Opening the batting, Mike Atherton. I just ugh, hated watching him bat. So he'd say. Oh, I thought you meant hated as a, um, as a bloke. As I don't know. Person. I mean, you can infer that I don't like them, but you know, I'm just mainly commenting like on their cricket personality. I mean, I'm sure most of these people, they're okay. Not all of them. Uh, I'll get to them. So Atherton's opening the batting, most boring batsman of all time. Graham Smith, the most unlikable character. The way he carried on after Sandpaper Gate, ugh, just the way he got so high and mighty. Uh, so him and Atherton are opening the batting. Number three, Hansi Cronje. Uh, just, just the, when he played cricket, he was so unlikable. And then for him to have this stunning fall for grace, fall from grace, and completely corrupt the game makes him even more unlikable. The next one, Salim Malik, the rat. <laughs> he was the one who offered um, the money to Tim May and Shane Warne to throw a test match back in 1994. Number five, another South African, a lot of South Africans in this team, Faf Duplessis. Uh, I mean, just the, the, the worst bloke on the field you can imagine. Caught cheating multiple times. Just very, very unlikable. Uh, probably all right off the field. He's quite um, interesting in press conferences, but... On the field, just ugh. And number when you say caught cheating multiple times, you, you put a bit of mint on the ball once, didn't no, you? No, he's been fined two or three times for ball tampering. Number six. Really? Yeah, you go and Google it when you're finished. Uh, number six, your rounder, Chris Cairns. Well, he makes the team because there's allegations about his past that are quite shady. I don't want a lawsuit, so I'll leave it to you. Uh, number seven, Matt Pryor. Uh, just, just a bad dude. I've got to say, a bad dude arrogant didn't like him when he was playing for england uh, so he's the keeper <laughs> number 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 seven Stuart broad uh, just oh what just the not only like a schoolboy wanker type but yeah kidding inflicted so much pain on me on the cricket field i can't help but hate him number nine and this is number eight this is a tough one but i've given i've put dale stain in here and and, and this is a grudging one because I respect him, but uh, his skill was 
awesome, but he, he just used to destroy Australia. And when you get, when you get fired up and get really into it, he was, you know, he was very abrasive and unlikable, but if he was on your team, I think you'd love him. Then I've got two spinners to round out the 11. Harbhajan Singh, he's number 10. You wouldn't remember this so much, Jaleesa, but in the early 2000s, he was just a tormentor of Australia and he used to rub our friggin' nose in it. Do you remember that, Paul? Oh, yeah. And I, I think that um, in many ways, he'd be the one I agree with you having in this side the most. He was a good bowler, but I thought that his, some of his um, antics have been very, very disappointing, especially what he did with um, Andrew Thomas. Mm. And then number 11, another spinner, Graham Swan, another just an unlikable pom, just that typical sort of pom that just rubs you the wrong way. You know, he looks like joking around and having a good time on the field. Yes, I didn't like him at all. And uh, 12th man was Alan Donald, White Lightning. Again, respectful pick, hated him as a player, but terrific bowler. I suppose in summary, just um, listening to that team, I'd just like to Send a warm good good day to everyone listening to this show from England and South Africa. I'm sure you're feeling very loved at the moment. That's so much of our, so many people from England listen to us too. Well, I'm trying to get them all off one by one. But we've got one Indian, <laughs> one Kiwi and one Pakistani player, rest English and South Africans. Like It was interesting there's no West Indians here because as much as they used to torment me in my childhood by destroying Australia, there was none of them that I didn't really like. Can you think of any West Indian players that you didn't like, Paul? I mean, they were just, I mean, Desmond Haynes had a run in with Ian Healy, but that was okay. I was annoyed with Richie Richardson after Australia beat them in 95 when he said this was the weakest Australian mm, side he could have played against. But, you know, you can sort of forgive that was just in the heat of the moment. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I, I can't think of any uh, West Indian players that I that I dislike. No, no, good. I think I I think I'm an odd cricket fan in some ways because sometimes I really like the antagonists, like the the people that everyone hates. I just and and that just causes us so much pain. I really like them. Like I really like watching Stuart Broad, as we've discussed before. And I my favorite cricketer in the world at the moment and for the past few years is Coley. I'd love when Australia plays against Coley and that's including Australian players. I just love Coley and I love a lot of him off the field. I love how he captains. I love him on the field. And I think I'm unique in that way because I know we're supposed to not like these people, but I just really do. I like Coley too. I reckon my captain for this side, I mean, there's no one crookeder than Salim Malik. So he can be captain, captain of the most hated 11. Well, that's it for uh, Cricket Unfiltered. Any final words for our listeners, Paul and Julissa, that you'd like to say to the, the number of listeners I might have offended today? We um, all represent our own brand. <laughs> and <laughs> Manus comments are not self. reflective of... <laughs> the, uh, these comments are not reflective of my views. <laughs> well said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's it then for this edition. Please keep listening if you're from England. Yes, and send your fan mail to at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You've been listening to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your co-host, Andrew Mensel. I've been joined by Paul Dennett and Jaleesa Apps. We'll be back next week with another episode. With Cricket. Podcast Network.